This is author Elisa Valdez. I am reading to you today on this podcast from my young adult novel, The Temptation of Demetrio Vigil. This is chapter one. The storm came out of nowhere. One minute, I drove along Highway 14 in the bright winter sunshine of New Mexico. The next, I struggled to keep the car on the road, enveloped in a sudden windy blackness that rubbed out the frozen sky. Hail pounded the metal roof and nearly cracked the windshield. Violent gusts buffeted the car along the slippery road. There were no other cars. I vowed in that moment to always check the weather forecast before my weekly trip to my dad's, presuming I survived. The din of hail scared Buddy. He cowered on the passenger seat as though he expected to be hit. Then again, Buddy is a chihuahua. The songs of baby birds on sunny days frighten Buddy. Trembling and anticipating doom are the chihuahua's homeostatic state. I teased him nervously. What are you, a cat or a dog? Buddy licked his chops to be polite, but his eyebrows, such as they were, registered grave concern. I should have pulled over, but my dad is very strict about being on time for dinner. He is strict about most things, and you don't want to make him mad. His new wife always worked hard to make a nice meal for us on Friday nights, and I didn't want to offend her, so I kept driving cautiously, past the tiny hillside town of Golden. Nothing more than a few houses and a little adobe church. I hoped that the storm would go away as quickly as it had come, but it didn't. Ten minutes in, the road was icier, the sky darker, the wind angrier. I was worried, sure. I acted brave to try to comfort Buddy. I told myself everything would be okay. I knew the way well, I'd driven this route a million times, back and forth from my mom's in Albuquerque to my dad's in Santa Fe. But sometimes, knowing the route isn't good enough, sometimes things just happen. I felt the tires spin out of control, just as I spied an injured coyote in the middle of the road. It was maybe 20 feet ahead, dark gray, soaked and scrawny, about the size of a medium dog, but with bigger ears and a longer snout. It limped pitifully in circles in the center of the road, as though confused. I felt terribly sorry for it and slammed on the brakes. This only made the car slide harder sideways towards the creature. No! I cried out in a panic. The animal swiveled its head to look at me as though it had heard me. In the split second before we were destined to collide, it made the oddest expression. I could have sworn it actually smiled at me with cruel yellow eyes. It creeps me out to remember it now because that coyote smile was the single scariest thing I had ever seen. My father, an outdoorsman, would later tell me I should have just run over the coyote. Later, he'd accused me of being a bleeding-heart animal lover. It was probably true. I did love animals. I always had. I did what I could to avoid killing the coyote. I yanked the wheel to the right, stomped again and again on the brake pedal, and then it just happened. The BMW my dad had given me for my 16th birthday lost grip with the road, spun and toppled end over end in a sickening crunch of metal and glass. It was all so fast. 
I remember it as a horrible, noisy blur, end over end, tumbling off the road down a small rise. I screamed and tried to reach for Buddy to hold him in his seat the way my mom used to put her arm out for me when I was little, but I couldn't find him. He was tumbling loose in the car with my phone, wallet, and old paper coffee cups, round and round like clothes in a dryer. When the car finally stopped rolling, it was on its side, making strange burbling sounds and ticks, almost like a moan. The car was dead or dying. The cold wind wasted no time in ripping through its hull with frenzied glee. What fun, what fun, it seemed to cry. The sound of the wind was like ghosts laughing. I dangled, a sock puppet, disoriented. My shoulder burned. Something pierced my chest sharply. With each inhale, my hands bled, and my left foot felt like something had taken a large bite out of it. I looked around again for Buddy, but he wasn't in the car. The world was blurry because I'd lost my eyeglasses somewhere in the tumult and blood dripped into my eyes. I wiped what I could away and squinted, but I couldn't see my little dog anywhere. I called his name. No response but the wind. What fun this is. What fun. I suddenly remembered all those movies where the crashed car bursts into flames moments after impact. I found the button to release the seatbelt and wriggled myself free. Gravity dumped me onto the passenger door. My shoulder and back screamed with pain. Gulping for air, I wormed through the jagged hole where the windshield used to be, shaving off bits of clothing and skin as I went. I intended to run from the car, but my wounds limited me to a stiff, slow crawl. I blinked against the blowing snow, dragged myself along, a rasping pant rising from my throat. My hands and knees pressed through the snow to the frozen sand and dead weeds beneath. I hoped there were no cacti under there hiding. A hot agony stung my back and shoulder with every motion. Each breath was a nauseating knife in my gut. I was dizzy. I had to get to my feet. I needed to find help. I rose to my feet slowly and with a pounding sensation in my head, resting my hands on my thighs, I squinted hard and craned my neck with some difficulty, looking for Buddy. Stupid Chihuahua, where did he go? Buddy, I called, my voice small and gruff. He didn't come. I looked toward the road, but there was no sign of my dog or of the injured coyote. I staggered from the car like a zombie, amazed I'd come out of the mangled wreckage alive. As I scanned a nearby field, I saw a dark, small lump in the snow, maybe 20 feet from the car, on the other side of a barbed wire fence. It was the size of a roasting hen, like Buddy. I limped faster toward the fence and squeezed my way through the wires, impervious now to the new waves of pain. Sure enough, it was he. I'd found my sweet little dog, covered in blood but still alive, stuck on his side, licking his chops the way dogs do when they're hurt, his innocent black eyes searching mine for an answer. Had he been bad, he seemed to ask. Was I angry with him? He'd be good now, his eyes told me. He promised. Oh, my poor baby, I cried. No, no, you're a good boy. What a good doggy you are. The effort of wagging his tiny tail to please me exhausted Buddy's reserves. 
His eyes rolled back into his head. He quivered. He seemed to be in a mild seizure. It was the worst thing I had ever seen. In a complete panic, I remembered my smartphone. I'd had it charging in the center console of the car, and now I had no idea where it was. It could be anywhere. I stood and looked for it, but my eyes were useless. There was nothing. Not the blur of a house, not a car, not a cow, nothing. We were on one of those desolate stretches of highway where it is only earth and sky. Help me, I cried as loud as I could, my voice cracking. I tasted the bitter metal of blood, spit it out. Hello, help us. I stood at Buddy's side and waited. No sound came back, not even an echo. My words were absorbed completely by the snow. I knelt again, shivering and suffering, but focused on Buddy, my mother, an attorney and city councilor, with her eye on the mayor's seat, had long accused me of being too compassionate for my own good. The hail stung my cheeks as I scooped Buddy's limp body into my arms. I worried I'd hurt him more by moving him, but I couldn't just leave him to freeze. I returned to the fence, struggled through the wires with my dog cradled protectively in my arms. I lurched toward the road and wandered along its shoulder, my pain numbing to a low, hollow throb all over. I tasted more blood. The ankle gave way when I put weight on it. I grew dizzier, faint. The hail blurred my already dismal vision, pelted my open mouth as I wheezed. If only a car would come, just one car, but none came. After a minute or two of helpless waffling, I realized that to survive, I'd have to get myself back to Golden and pray that someone was home. I limped back to the car, which had not exploded, to see if I could find my coat, phone, glasses. I found my eyeglasses, a little twisted but still intact, in the snow, and I picked them up wiped them on my sweatshirt and shoved them back onto my face. My parka tangled with the steering wheel. I tugged it loose with great effort and excruciating pain, draped it over my shoulders, buddy in my arms, beneath. The dog's breaths were shallow and inconsistent. I tried to be brave, braced myself for the painful journey. I assured buddy everything was going to be okay, but my voice broke with fear. As I turned toward the road, a dark gray blur loped across the highway and disappeared, yellow eyes. I rubbed snow from my glasses and tried to get a better look at it. I saw nothing but heard a howl. It was not the sorrowful wail of an injured animal. It was something much, much worse. When you grow up in the foothills on the outskirts of Albuquerque, as I had, with cats you cannot bear to keep imprisoned inside, you learn what coyote calls mean. I had lost three cats to the desert predators in my lifetime. I recognized this sound. It was the manic, wild yipping that called the rest of the pack to feast. It signaled an impending kill. That's it.